is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Just to echo what David said, please do grab one of these leaflets and do make use of it. There's lots in there. It gives you an idea of what's happening this term. We haven't got time to go through everything on there, but please do use it to make a note of what's going on. Let me just highlight to you the weekend of the 15th and the 16th of November, if I can. Um, the, uh, the family of churches we're part of, which is Christ Central, which is part of the wider New Frontiers family of churches, uh, we're doing a tour this year as a team that lead that group of churches and we've uh, been touring around uh, the UK regions that we serve and uh, putting on weekends that serve groups of churches. And we've got our weekend in the Midlands uh, that we're hosting here in Derby over that weekend of the 15th of uh, November. Uh, on Saturday the 15th of November we've got a conference that we're putting on at a Riverside Centre on Pride Park uh, called In Christ Together. That's the theme of the tour that we've been doing around the UK. And uh, Jeremy Simpkins, who leads the Christ Central team, uh, will be speaking on that Saturday. And uh, he'll also be speaking here on the Sunday morning the day after. So can I ask you, please, to be around that weekend? Uh, and uh, I'll be asking many of you to help us on that Saturday as we host that conference and uh, serve people from right across uh, the Midlands area of churches that we're working with. And it's going to be a great day. Uh, the other weekends have gone brilliantly that we've run in different parts of the UK. It's been very excited about that. And uh, really looking forward to the weekend we've got here in Derby. But please be around that weekend. Uh, if you can make yourself available to help on the Saturday to serve, that would be great. And uh, please be there on the Saturday. It's going to be an excellent day. And again, on the Sunday morning as Jeremy preaches here, uh, it's going to be a great morning as well. So just to flag that up in case you are wondering what that is, there's more information on the website. We'll be giving out some flyers next Sunday about it as well. Uh, but just to flag it up so that you know what's, uh, what that's all about and what's going on. Okay, so we've got a bit of a different morning this morning. Um, you'll see that by the, the flip chart that's here. And um, for those of you who are looking forward to me drawing on said flip chart, I did do a little drawing for you earlier that I prepared. Come on. I was expecting a better reaction than that, I have to say. A little bit disappointing. Uh, just so you're clear, uh, this is Lydia, my daughter. This is her friend Eva, and that's Reuben. But you could have guessed that, couldn't you? So you knew that, all right? You knew that. No, no let's not go there. Okay, so I won't be drawing, but we'll be using that shortly. Now, I want to teach into something this morning um, that uh, is important for us as a church. Initially, you might think, but Graham, why haven't you opened the Bible? Because normally the first thing I'll be doing is standing up here and opening this book. Well, we will get to this book, I promise you, because that's important to us. But I just want to set the scene a little bit and speak about something that is important to us, a subject. I'm not going to a particular passage this morning. I want to speak about a subject that's important to us. Now, I'm often told, people often say to me, one of the strengths of Jubilee is our vision. You know, we know that we want to be the sort of church that loves God, that loves one another, 
that loves those who don't know Jesus yet, that serves our city and reaches nations. We often talk about those sort of things. Uh, and people often say to me, it's great that you're so clear about that. You might have looked at those things on our website. You may have heard me teach on them. You've probably read it in the welcome pack if you've got one, if you're visiting us. You see, vision is important. And saying things like that often, saying this is the sort of church you want to be. Now, I know we're not perfect at it. I, don't, I know we don't get it right every time. But that's still the sort of church that we want to be and that we're going for. See, vision is important. It defines where you're going. I believe in having a strong and clear vision. I, actually, I teach on vision on the Christ Central Leadership Training Program. We, we do a day looking at that. As well as vision, values are important as well because values define how you get there. Once you set out what you want to do and your vision, values define how you're going to make that journey, how you're going to get there, the sort of things that you're perhaps going to do and how you're going to do it. But I came across this quote not so long ago, and maybe you've heard this as well. And if you work in the business world, you might have heard this uh, talked about. I came across this quote, which is this. Culture eats vision for breakfast. And I saw that, I thought, that's a really good quote. Culture eats vision for breakfast. Now, it's attributed to various different people, including the uh, late American management consultant, Peter Drucker. But what it means is this, that in an organisation, whether it be a business or a charity or a church, culture is extremely important. I came across one article which said this about the subject. Culture, it said, is a balanced blend of human psychology, attitudes, actions and beliefs that combined create either pleasure or pain, serious momentum or miserable stagnation. A strong culture flourishes with a clear set of values and norms that actively guide the way that a company or organisation operates. It goes on. Long-term success is dependent on a culture that is nurtured and alive. Culture is the environment in which your strategy and your brand or organisation either thrives or dies a slow death. Now, before you stone me for delivering a business presentation, not a biblical preach... Just before you lift up the stone and call me a heretic, stay with me for a moment because if culture to an organisation is important, what I want to suggest to us this morning, friends, is that culture to us as a church is important. You see, the reality is this. Every organisation has a culture. You don't have to sit in a meeting and say, we need a culture. No, you have a culture as an organisation. Every business, every organisation, every church has a culture. The question for us is this, what sort of culture do we want to have? And where I'm going this morning is I'm going to argue that what we should have is a biblical culture. Because every organisation, every church has got one. So we need to make sure that the sort of culture that we do have is true to scripture and is a godly culture that is good and is nurturing to what Jesus wants to do. So I want to look at this morning what it means to build a biblical culture and what some of the hallmarks of a biblical God-honoring culture might be. We don't have time to look this morning at every uh, facet in detail 
Um, but there's one particular one I'm going to home in on. But in a moment, I want you to think about what some of the hallmarks of a biblical, God-honoring church culture might be. And that's where our flip chart comes into play. So that's where we're going. Is that okay? So it's a little bit different, but I, I do believe it's important to teach into this because every organization, Jubilee included, has a culture. We just need to make sure the sort of culture we do have is honoring to God, is biblical, and is an environment where Jesus can do what he wants to do. Okay? So I'm going to pray, and uh, then we'll see what, uh, where we go with it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your uh, presence with us this morning. And we pray now, as we look at this subject together, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us together as a family this morning to see what your word has to say about these things. And to be clear on the sort of culture that we want to build in Jubilee. Lord, I pray you to help us as we look at this subject. Help us to see what your word says. Help us to be open to your spirit. Uh, And Jesus, we pray that what we look at this morning might help reach this city and many people for you. As we look to build a culture in Jubilee that honors you and is good for you and your work. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let me ask you a question. And uh, you can answer this question. And uh, my glamorous assistants will come and write some answers on the board. Won't you, Tim? So if you can... um, If you can... um, Give a round of applause. It's the legs, isn't it, really? And the bits. It goes so well together. Okay, so what I want us to look at is a biblical, what, you, what are the hallmarks you might suggest of a biblical church culture? So I shout some out. So it's going to be one word, probably, not as long paragraphs here. So beards, yes. Um, no, not beards. Um, arguably. Okay, so. Working with children, animals, and bearded people is always dangerous. Okay, so I want you to shout out some examples uh, that you would expect to find in a biblical church culture. Love, welcoming, giving, I think was that. Are you keeping up here, Mr. Tim? So let us pause a second. Okay, keep going. Sorry? Faithfulness, was that? Yeah, great one. Yeah, really good. Family relationships, two words, but I'll give you that. Yeah, that's good. Like that. Worship. Worship. Yeah. Prayer and praying at the same time. One anothering. Whoa. Slow down. Slow down. Okay. Prayer. Worship. Worship. Prayer. One anothering. Joy. Sorry? Passion, yeah. Donuts, like that one. That's a particularly good one. Food. Grace. Let me throw one in there. Caring, very good. Mercy. Fellowship. Forgiveness, very good. Cups of tea, yes. 
Goes to the donuts, well. Sorry? Inclusive. Great. God. Yeah. You can't put out the bottom, no. They get immediately struck down. Very good. Yes. I would add fun. Yeah. So, children. Yeah, children of family. Is that up there? Was that compassion? Support was that? Yeah. Bible. Yeah. So. Maybe word and spirit. I missed that, was I? I wasn't one, okay. There's one you missed. We'll forgive you. Support, very good. Okay, truth. And because I run out of paper, we'll stop there. Now, I would argue that all of these are really important. Actually, all of the things that you've called out, there are no wrong answers there. Actually, all of those things would be elements of a, of a great biblical God-honoring culture in church life. And you know, I could preach on any of those. And um, maybe what will be quite good is, is our next trainee preacher's morning. We do this again, and then we say to one of them, right, preach on donuts. <laughs> Or something like that. That might be that might be fun. So I've talked on giving not so long ago. We've talked on worship the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, earlier in the year, I spoke about community and fellowship. Um, we've, you know, a number of those things we would we would touch. Maybe not on a whole message, but we would touch on some of those things as we as we preach God's word. So thank you, Tim. You can um, return to your seat, but leave me the pen. Thanks, mate. But there's one of those that I want to look at particularly this morning, which is this one. And I'm very glad someone said it. Welcome. What I want to look at for the remainder of our time this morning is the subject of welcoming and welcoming well. So if you're taking notes... Maybe your heading should be welcoming well. Because we want Jubilee to be a welcoming church. Anyone exploring faith, anybody wanting to find out more about a relationship with Jesus, is welcome here and should be welcome here. Now the the word the Bible uses, I think, to describe this sort of culture it uses it in a slightly different context, but it keeps coming up, and you can find it in the, both the Old and the New Testament passages, is the word hospitality. And maybe that would be another word which we could stick on here. But uh, we've got welcome, and that, that covers it quite nicely. So back in Old Testament times, the Israelites, the Old Testament people of God, were given certain instructions and rules for living by God's. And they were told to welcome, uh, as one translation puts it, the alien or the, the foreigner or the person from another land. They were told to welcome that person into their midst. So Leviticus chapter 19, 
verses 33 to 34, for example, says this. When a foreigner resides among you, or as some versions put it, where an alien resides among you in your land, do not ill-treat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Another passage which speaks of treating of the foreigner well is where is Leviticus 23:22 when you reap the harvest of your land do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you i am the lord your god there are other passages that we could look at if we had time actually there's some good passages there that we could look at and talk about how we treat those who are new to us maybe those who are new to our nation or seeking asylum in this land because the bible has lots to say about that sort of subject as well but in the new testament this doesn't ignore the subject either actually the new testament has a whole load to say about the area of hospitality so for example hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says this Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Sometimes we think, oh, we can offer hospitality, but here we go again. Without grumbling, we're told. In 3 John, chapter 1, John writes this. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people that we may work together for the truth. And if you look to other passages, for example, passages in 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, we find that hospitality is a requirement for eldership. So those who are leaders in the church of God, we're told that one of the things that you should be able to identify in them is the gift of hospitality. You see, it's important. And I would suggest to us that if it's an important characteristic of an elder, then actually it's good for all of us, whether we want to be an elder or not. Would you agree? Actually, that's what those passages teach us there. So the subject of welcoming and being hospitable, both as families and as a church family, the Bible has got stuff to say on it. God has said some things. Now, we had a, a couple around to our home for a meal this week. They were our guests. We, uh, we didn't know them well. We only met them once before. We invited them for a meal. And uh, we were prepared. So Sarah had planned a menu, taking into account some dietary requirements. I had been sent shopping with a list. I need a list because going without a list is always fatal. And I end up with the wrong things. Maybe some of you guys can identify with that. But anyway, I'd been given a list, went shopping and was um, uh, uh, purchased said food. And so at the appointed time, the food was prepared and cooking. The kids were in bed-ish, mostly. <laughs> the dining room had been tidied. The table had been laid. Very importantly, the wine was chilling. 
and we were ready. We were ready because we were expecting guests to our home. So we had ordered our home and our time accordingly in order to be able to welcome them well. See, everything that we did on that evening was to prepare for them and make the evening as enjoyable as possible for them because they were our guests. Now, we had a great time and we enjoyed making some new friends. The American pastor and uh, writer Andy Stanley has said this. He says, the church is a family expecting guests. The church is a family expecting guests. And I think that's a great quote. It describes exactly who we should be and how we should be treating those who are our guests. And that's why I feel it's so important to talk about it this morning. Just as we ordered our life around a particular evening this week in order to receive our guests well, I totally believe Andy Stanley's quote that the church is a family expecting guests. I think we had family up here, didn't we? Family relationships we had. We're building a family here. But listen, we are a family expecting guests. And so just as we ordered our family life this week to prepare for guests who were arriving, as a church family, we should order our lives to prepare for guests arriving. If you have someone to stay in your home, you get things ready for them, don't you? We had a a friend of ours to stay recently for a a night or two, uh, and so we got things ready for them. You know, we, we, we made sure the bed had been changed and it had clean sheets on. We made sure there was a towel ready and just things to make it nice for them as, as they stayed in our home. You would do the same, I'm sure, if you had someone stay with you because you're a family expecting a guest or some guests. I want to suggest this morning, friends, that for us as a church, we are God's family expecting guests. As I've spoken to some visitors who have come to Jubilee recently, the thing that they've commented on was the welcome that they got here and how warm it was and how the people spoke to them and engaged with them and talked to them. They contrasted it with other churches they had been to where the welcome wasn't as strong. Now listen, I know that we're not perfect. I know that we sometimes get it wrong. And you might be sitting there this morning thinking, well, I'm here, no one's spoken to me yet, and if that's the case, I'm truly sorry. Because we don't always get it right. But what I want us to do this morning is this, say, listen, this is the sort of church we want to be. Let's be a church like this. Let's go for this. And let's be known by our welcome. You see, a good, friendly, genuine welcome speaks volumes. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. We may not be the biggest church in town. We may not have the best this or the best that. We certainly haven't got the best preacher. (laughs) But listen, one thing we can have, and actually I think we're pretty close to it, is have the very best welcome anywhere. And we can all play a part in making that happen. So I started out this morning by talking about culture. And so what I want us to to say this morning is that 
I want Jubilee to have a strong, hospitable, friendly culture, both for our church family, but also, importantly, to guests, especially those who are here for the very first time. In his book, Fusion, the uh, American pastor, Nelson Searchy, talks about his experience at a Ritz-Carlton hotel. Have any of you ever been to a Ritz-Carlton hotel? Some of you have. Maybe you can identify with, this, with his experience there. It's, it's quite a nice, it's quite a plush hotel. And uh, this is what he has to say about it. Let me read it to you. He says, when I was in seminary, the Ritz-Carlton in Washington, D.C. would periodically advertise special, low, one-night one night rates in our local newspaper. Occasionally, Kelly, his wife, and I, he says, would take advantage of the opportunity to get away, hop into our old run-down car, and head north for a night in luxury. The first time we visited the Ritz-Carlton, I was amazed. As soon as I pulled into their circular driveway, a bellman ran over, opened my door and said to his colleague, the gentleman from North Carolina has arrived. I didn't know what to concentrate on first. The fact he had been astute enough to notice my license plate or the fact he had just called me a gentleman. That was new. Then he rushed to the other side of the car and politely escorted Kelly out of her seat as he asked me, whom are we welcoming to the Ritz-Carlton? After glancing over my shoulder to make sure he was still talking to me, I, I stuttered my name. Again, the bellman immediately relayed the information to his partner. Mr. and Mrs. Searchy have arrived. He then ushered us inside to check in. Later that evening, we happened to run into the same bellman while on our way to dinner. Without hesitation, he looked me in the eye and said, Have a good night, Mr. Searchy. That was impressive. Such stellar guest interaction does not happen by default. Ritz-Carlton employees are trained on the importance of creating a welcoming atmosphere for each and every person who chooses to walk through their door. They are taught to greet you, to know you by name by the second time they see you, and not let you leave without a sincere thank you and goodbye. With a strong system in place to clear the path towards effectiveness, the Ritz-Carlton is able to consistently treat their guests well. The staff is empowered to represent their organisation with the intrinsic pride it deserves. And they see the results in an unusually high repeat guest rate. If that's the experience that this couple had a visiting a hotel. Now, I know you go to a hotel to have a nice experience, particularly a, a plush hotel. You expect to be treated well. Friends, if that's their experience at a hotel, just a business, a good business, but just a business, how much more should people's experience with the family of God, the church, be? How much better should their experience here be than any business? Now, I know they've got loads of money to throw at it. I know they can afford to employ the very best people and put them through, I'm sure, the very best training courses. But friends, listen, how much more should we be able to welcome people well? Because we're the family of God. How much more should people come into our orbit and say, hey, they treated me well. I was welcomed warmly. They were pleased to see me. They smiled. They said hello. And before you say, but isn't that 
just what happens in every church? Isn't that just normal? Well, the truth is, no. There are plenty of churches where that isn't normal. And you might think, well, that's just crazy, and I'd agree with you, it is. But I'm not here to knock others. I'm here to say, let's be the very best that we can. Let's do really well at this. Let's excel at this. In order that we can welcome people well and help the process in them encountering God. Think about it for a moment. We're in a battle. We really are. And our enemy is out to make it difficult for people. So those who come to church for the first time, those who wake up on a Sunday morning and say, yeah, today is the day that I'm going to go with my friend to Jubilee or I'm going to, going to you know, respond to, it, to an invite I had and I'm going to walk through those doors. Listen, let me tell you that Satan is out to make it as difficult as possible for that particular person. That particular person is on his radar and is thinking, how can I trip them up? How can I make it difficult for them? How can I get them offended? How can I make it go wrong so they never go back? You see, we're in a battle. It's not as we want to give people a nice experience. Yes, that's important. But listen, it's to give people a good experience, in fact, the best experience possible, in order that they might be in a receptive place to meet with God. We want to make sure that we take away every other hurdle that could get in the way between them encountering God. Maybe they're searching. Maybe they're here with a friend. Maybe they're here on their own. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe for years you've been praying for them. Maybe for a long time you've been inviting them on a Sunday morning. You've said to them more than once, why not come to church with me this weekend? And they've given you all sorts of excuses and it's never worked. They've never said yes. And then finally they agree. Finally they're here. This particular Sunday, they've met you downstairs. You're so pleased to see them. You know that they're beginning to ask questions of faith and they haven't yet put their trust in Jesus. But you know that you've told them that you're praying for them. And you've begun to express something about the love of God for, for them. And you've witnessed to them and told them your story. Finally, they're here. You would want to do everything in your power to make it the very best experience for them in order not to put them off and not to get in the way with what God wants to do, wouldn't you? Now listen, you or I cannot make someone follow Christ. That's not our job. We can't do that. But what we can do is this. We can provide an opportunity. We can create a platform. We can create a culture where we ensure that nothing gets in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their life at this moment. And that's what I'd like us to do every week. Let's create a culture, an atmosphere, if you like, of welcoming so well. A culture of hospitality, a culture of seeking to serve one another and our guests so well that we create an environment and a platform for God to do what only he can do. I remember uh, growing up, when we had uh, guests around in our home for dinner, my dad would say, FHO, before we sat down to eat. And what that meant was this. Family, hands off. 
because he would want to ensure that our guests went first, that my sister and I didn't dive in and eat all the roast potatoes, which in my case was probably uh, quite tempting because I liked them. But he would say, FHO. And that meant to us, just back off. Let's serve our guests well. Let them go first because they're important to us. I want our culture here to be the same as well. You see, there might be things that we do that you will think, I don't know why we do that. You know, I know that information. Why every week does David or Graham or someone get up and wave this welcome book? I know about the welcome book, you might think. I'm here every week. I know about this card. Listen, it's not for you. That's the truth. It's for the person who's here for the first time and we're saying, listen, here is a way that you can help, that will help you connect with us. We'd love you to stay in touch with us if you'd like that. You've heard the phrase, you can probably predict what we will say because it's very similar every week. But it's not for you. It's for the person that's here for the first time. They're going, oh, I can stay in touch. Oh, if I give you my email address, you'll let me know some things that are going on. That's so helpful. You see, so there'll be some things that you'll think, why do we do that? Why do we do that every week? Because it's for the person that is here for the first time. You might think, why do we explain what's going to happen in worship? It's because some people will come and not know. So we want to create an environment where we're putting people at ease and we're saying to people, look, this is what's going to happen. These are some of the things we're going to do this morning. And let me just explain it to you. You might think, I know that. I know you know it. But listen, the person who's here for the first time may not do. Your friend that you've brought from work, that you've been praying for for the last year, and has finally said yes to walking through those doors, may not ever have been in a church before. Or maybe their only experience of a worship service is some distant memory from a school assembly, and that wasn't great. Or it's been someone's wedding or funeral. That's it. No other church experience. So we want to make things comfortable for them in order that we can create a platform and environment for God to do what only he can do. Please don't mishear me. I'm not for one moment suggesting we water down the gospel. Absolutely not. We preach Christ crucified. We do not water down the radical call to discipleship and following Jesus. But what we do do is make sure that we don't put any barriers in the way and we create an environment where people are receptive to hearing God. I don't know about you, but when things happen that sort of knock you a little bit, that, that can change your mood, can't it? So if you get an email that is a bit difficult or stroppy from somebody, you can think, oh, it's puts you in a bad mood. And you have to get over that before you can then get in a place where you're engaging well with people. If you're going somewhere for the first time, you don't know anything, you hardly know anybody, you're not sure what's going to happen, you're immediately on edge. You're thinking, how's it going to be? I want to suggest to us, friends, that we make it the very best experience possible in order that we help people to encounter God. So, as we begin to draw to a close, we've had the why. This is the how. Okay? So how do we do that? How can we, how can we do that? It's reckoned by people who know about these things that seven minutes is all you get to make a first impression. Seven minutes. That's it. And the first seven minutes for somebody coming here on a Sunday morning 
pave the way for the entire rest of the meeting. In the first seven minutes, most guests will have decided whether or not they will ever come back again. So, that's well before the preacher has spoken. It's before the band has struck up any notes. It's before anything has been said from the fronts. It's about how they were welcomed. Were they made to feel at home? Were people friendly? Did someone say to them, Hi, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for coming. Are you new here? Can I, can I show you to your seat? It's about whether somebody talked to them. Whether somebody was genuine with them or just going through a, Hi, great to see you, because that's what you ought to say. The first seven minutes is critical. And it's all about the welcome. It's all about how they're treated. Somebody describes it like this. It says there's, there's four components to a pre-service experience. It's being greeted, directed, treated, and seated. That's probably three, wasn't it? Greeted, treated, and seated. And somebody snuck an extra one in there. But let's consider each one very briefly before we finish. Greeted, the first welcome. The first smile, the first, hi, great to see you here, speaks volumes. A smiling, friendly face makes all the difference. So if you're a happy-looking, smiley type of friendly person, listen, we want you on our welcome team. Because we want you to be the very first person that people see. Happy, smiley, engaging, hey, great to see you. If you're that sort of person... Or you think you might be, go and see Anna Marie afterwards or come and see me. We'd love to have you on the team. But listen, as well as the welcome team greeting people well, the responsibility is on all of us. Not just those who happen to have a lanyard and a green badge around their neck. The way all of us speak to people gives a message. It says something. If we prepare to go out of our way to speak to a visitor, to speak to a guest, to say, hey, it's great to see you here. Thanks so much for coming. And introduce ourselves. That speaks volumes. The very fact we've done that says, you're welcome here. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. And if we don't do that, friends, we can have the nicest, happiest, smiliest people downstairs with a green badge around their neck going, Hi, great to see you. But if we don't, all don't do that, then we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So let's be great at this. And let's be consistent about it. Let's, let's greet people well. Direction, direction is important. Let's direct people to where things are happening, be it children's work, kids' work, toilets, coffee, donuts, all the important things. Signs are important, but listen, real people are important too. Treated, the way we treat people will help them to decide if they ever want, want to come back again. If they ever want to explore a relationship that we might talk about with Jesus. And so the way that we all do that, the way that we treat our guests and their families well in those first few minutes will be a deciding factor upon whether they'll ever come back again. I was talking with a friend recently and he was recounting his experience on holiday where he went to a church, and he wasn't known in that church. He's actually, in, in some arenas, quite a well-known speaker, but he wasn't known there. And uh, he turned up, and no one spoke to him. I couldn't believe it. I said, really? Does that really still happen? He went, yep. Not a soul. Thinking, how can we do that? 
How can that happen? Now, I think mostly that doesn't happen here. But let's make sure it never happens here. Let's make sure we, we treat people well. FHO, as my dad would say. So when it comes to donuts and coffee, let's make sure we serve our guests first and serve them well. It might be that we have a separate area for guests and we say, listen, if you're here for the first time, why don't you come over to this bit and we'll serve you quickly and give you the best donuts and coffee. We, we might do it like that. We've experimented a little bit with the foyer. We'll keep doing that over the next few weeks. We'll try and find a way that works well because we want to treat people well in order that we provide a platform and a culture for them to experience Jesus. Then the last one is seated. When you go and see a play at a good theatre, you're probably shown to your seat. You're probably taken to, to where it is. And that's part of them taking care of you. I remember visiting a church in London once with a friend of mine. And uh, it was clear that we were visitors. And we were just looking around, seeing where to go. And a member of the welcome team approached us and said, hi, oh, you knew here. And we said, yeah, we're just, just visiting today. We're just out of town, but we thought we'd come along. And uh, she said to us, hey, let me take you, let me find you some great seats. I went, oh, not just any seats, not just anywhere. She was going to find us some great seats. Now, even that little phrase made us think, oh, they're treating us well. Now, I felt guilty for not going back again. They treated us so well. <laughs> but, you know, it made an impression. It lasted in us because they served us and treated us well. Now, you might say, oh, it's not about the seats. It's about God doing something. Yeah, I know that. But listen, if we can serve people so well that they're in a frame of mind where they're thinking, it's a good place. I, I, I like being here. That gets them ready to experience Jesus. That gets them ready to be in a frame of mind where God can break in and do something in their lives. Now, I know God can break in anywhere at any time. I know that. But what I want us to do is to create a platform for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do and help people in that process. You see, if we take care of the practical details, Jesus will take care of the rest. Amen. We take care of the practical things, serve people well, treat them well, smile, be friendly, talk to them, engage them, help them connect into church life, find them a great seat. Then that means that Jesus can do what only he can do and the Holy Spirit can work in their life. I think increasingly our website is part of people's first experience of Jubilee. Increasingly people look at that even before they come. We're going to be looking at that in the next few months and uh, seeing how we can improve that and, and get that to work better for people. Almost every person I speak to that's here for the first time, I say to them, how did you hear about us? And invariably, it's either oh, I, I, I found you online or they looked at our website before they came. So even, even that needs to, uh, needs to work well for our guests. But as, as I finish, let me say this. I really think this whole preach is about putting others before yourself. FHO, as my, my dad would say. <laughs> but it's about serving others, putting them before ourselves. It's a really practical outworking of our vision to love one another and to love those who don't know Jesus yet. 
Remember, it's not just about our welcome team. It's about all of us. Now, they're an important part, but we've all got a part to play here. And so just as when you visit someone's home for dinner, it's not just the cook who makes the difference. It's everyone. Everyone that the guest comes across. And we all have a part to play in this. I want to encourage us, friends, to do all we can to welcome guests well, to help create an environment where God can work in people's lives and Jesus is glorified. Because that's what we want to see, isn't it? Jesus has said that he'll build his church. And he is building his church. He's doing some good things amongst us. Doing some great things across the city. Jesus is building his church, amen? Our job is to give him something great to work with. Both in ourselves personally and the environment that we create together. So can we do that? Let's, let's create that sort of culture in Jubilee. Let's create that environment, that platform, for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are building your church. And we say again this morning that we want to give you something great to work with. Lord, we give you ourselves personally. And we give you our church, Lord. It's, it's yours anyway. This is your church. You, you're the head of this church. And Lord, we say to you that we want to create an environment, a culture, an atmosphere where you can work in people's lives. So, so Jesus, please forgive us when we've got it wrong. We know we don't always get it right. And Lord, we say we're sorry for that. Lord, if we've got it wrong, even today if we've got it wrong, we're, we're sorry, Lord. Help us to get it right in order that we might create a platform for you to do what only you can do. Help us to be great at this. Help us to serve people well. Help us to treat people well in order that we might see you at work in people's lives. So we pray, Lord, be at work in us, be at work in in those that we love and be glorified in this city. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Go find someone you haven't spoken to yet this morning and say hi to them. And coffee and uh, donuts or cookies are some description are served out in the foyer. Please do stay around and enjoy those with us. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.